0: Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot going on in the world right now, and more of it than ever seems to be about business. How do workers benefit from the great resignation? Will TikTok change the music industry forever? I'm Nora Ali. And I'm Scott Rigowski, And we host Business Casual, a podcast from Morning Brew that dives into the unexpected business story behind everything. We're bringing you conversations with creators, thinkers, and innovators who can tell you what it all means and why you should care. Listen on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to the Growth League. I am Diana Kander, a Midwestern mom of two and keynote speaker, and like you, I feel the call to grow. To get us inspired for the week, every Monday I seek out the most remarkable women leaders and uncover their rule for growth. This week's rule for Marie Watkins is speak up to be heard. This episode is brought to you by Influence Co. To find out how Influence Co. can help you create relevant content, get more leads, improve your website's SEO, and drive exposure for your brand, go to influenceandco.com slash growth. And there you'll find all of the different articles and content that they've been so great at helping me create. This March, in honor of Women's History Month, we're talking to women who were the first to do something big in their organization. Each of these women are trailblazers in their own right, and I wanted to spotlight them here so that we can celebrate their wins, learn from their stories, and just be inspired to get out there and achieve our own firsts. To continue our series, today's guest is Marie Watkins. Marie is an active duty major in the Missouri National Guard. She was one of the first qualified females in combat arms and is the first female infantry commander in missouri in this role she was in charge of a unit of 200 men and her company was the top performing company for three consecutive years under her leadership and just a quick note marie's here today speaking in an unofficial capacity her views are her own personal experience and do not represent the national guard or the army A fun fact that I'd love to start with about Marie is that she is married to her high school sweetheart like myself. That would be a fun fact on its own, but the difference is they didn't marry each other at first. No, they had both gone their separate ways, married other people, and didn't actually speak to each other for 20 years. And then they found each other while she was in Afghanistan of all places, reconnected, both had two kids that they each brought into their own Brady Bunch of a relationship and have been at each other's side for the last 10 years. So let's hear from Marie. Marie, welcome to the show. Thank
2: you very much.
1: Tell me about the story with your husband. Is it a a scandalous question that I'm asking you?
2: No, not at all. We love our story. Every time, you know, we see people from the past or go to reunions or anything like that, everybody's like, oh, we always knew that you would end up together. I'm glad they thought that because, you know, there's a while where we're like, I don't know if I'll ever see you again. But we love our story. It, It brings a lot of happiness when we get to tell it, because he was my first love. I was his first love. And then we go off and, and live our lives for so long. And then of course, as life does, it changes. And then oddly enough, I was in Afghanistan and, you know, in Afghanistan, there's not a lot to do in your spare time. So I was, you know, flipping through social media and all of a sudden it popped up that he was single. I was like, what? that's crazy. So I just sent him a message and I was like, Hey, I'm all the way around the other side of the world. But when I get back, do you want to meet and you can tell me what in the world is going on in your life? And so we did eventually it was months and months and months after, because obviously I had to finish a deployment. And then when I did get back, it wasn't like I immediately could just race over here and have dinner. So, uh, I'd almost say a year, a year after that, that we finally got together and and had dinner. And it was a a five-hour dinner that we just sat there and caught up. And we honestly have not looked back. It's pretty amazing. That's a cool story.
1: So this March, we're interviewing women who were first in whatever position they were in. I have to start with, why, Marie, did you want to be
2: in the infantry? It's funny because, you know, when I, when I first joined the military, you know, I come from a family of service, uncles and, you know, my brother and grandfather and so on. And when I first joined, I wanted to be the, in the infantry. I even said, I'd like to be in the infantry. And they they were like, hold on, you can't. And so when you're told no, one, it's kind of like, why? And two, it's almost like you want it more. But instead they're like, hey, Instead of infantry, we'll get you as close as we can. And that is military police, which is what I was for quite some time. But even that had a catch for me at the time, because everyone can't really see, but I'm, I'm short in stature. <laughs> I like to think I'm five foot. We round up. But I uh, had to get a height waiver to be a, a military police soldier. And so in the meantime, I went off and did something else to wait for the waiver to go through. But it just felt like there was always these hurdles along the way. And so I felt like when the opportunity did present itself, and it did, it literally was, you know, 2016, combat arms opened up, and I don't even think I, I took time to consider. I think even though I was older, but I wanted it. I always wanted it. And I, I love the branch. I love, I love what they do. I love the soldiers I, I serve beside, and just to be able to open the door. That's really what it's about is just being able to open the door so others don't get told, I'm sorry, you cannot branch or go infantry. That was what it was about. It wasn't so much about me doing something really hard when I was 40. It was about providing that opportunity for others whenever they joined.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. Was it pretty smooth sailing?
2: Like, was everybody just cheering you along the way the whole time? The one thing I had against me was the fact that this was so new. It was just this ever evolving process that, of course, by now they've perfected. But my my packet at the time was the first for the National Guard for a female. So I literally was the test case. And so every time we set something up, there was a different challenge. And that's why it took two years for me to get qualified. I don't regret it at all. I loved being that because if I was, then it didn't have to happen to somebody else. So I first met you because
1: my husband, who knew you from the military, said you were one of the toughest soldiers that he's ever worked with. And that if I was doing a month of first, I had to talk to you about it. So you get through the process and you are assigned a squad of 200 men. I want to hear about that first day. Like what happened?
2: So you walk in and you don't know what to expect. Of course, when I did walk in and everybody's just kind of not looking at me, not making eye contact, trying to kind of figure out where to put their hands. And so I had told some of my senior non-commissioned officers, I'm like, put them in a room, just get them all in one big room. So we got everybody in there and I said, all right, you know, introduce myself. I am Captain Marie Watkins and I'm not a man. And everybody just kind of shot their heads up. And I'm like, okay, now that we've addressed that, go grab your shit because we're going to the field. Because my first training with them, we had to go spend three days in the field. So you got to just call it what it is and and get the elephant out of the room. That's what we did. And to be honest, I never had one issue. I didn't want to make it a thing, so to speak. And so we didn't. What do you think that you brought to the position that was different from like a female perspective? I would say from my leadership perspective, I was very involved. I listened. I treated soldier issues like human problems. I wanted to make sure that, one, we were trained. That was the first thing. But two, that the soldiers were taken care of. I think my way of doing things was just a little different. And I'm very passionate about what I do. I like to use the word passionate instead of loud. No, (laughs) but I, I do, I, I enjoy what I do. I work very hard to make sure that they know I care because here's, here's probably the best way I'll put it is that I let them operate in an environment where it's okay to make mistakes because they're allowed to make them in a training environment and not in a wartime environment. And so we'll train and train and train. And if you keep them training, then they're learning. How do you feel about
1: having been the first to go through the process? Does that affect your your confidence about approaching other challenges like how you do your everyday work?
2: Honestly, it doesn't. <laughs> I wish I could say it did. I guess I did it for a different reason, you know? I mean, I did it so other people could do it. I wanted it for them. I did it for them. Like for me, it doesn't change anything about what I am, who I am. It just gave me more education about the overall picture of the battlefield and how everybody's arrayed and maneuvered and things like that. Because I'm always going to keep growing, even when I'm no longer in the service. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change who I am or or, or what I am. I do think it is important to have first. I do. It gives females out there that sense of, oh, I can do that too. But I just want them to have that choice.
1: A question I always ask my guests is, what's a strongly held belief that you have that would make for a fun dinner party debate? And the opinions always range from politics to parenting to work-life balance. And I think it's fun to be able to critically think through their hot takes because it always leaves me learning and expanding my own points of view. But in order to have a quality discussion around any topic, you have to be informed. One way that you can stay informed is by listening to The Economist Asks, a podcast from The Economist. Each week, host Anne McElvoy has in-depth and challenging conversations with influential guests to answer important questions that will help you prepare for the world around us. Guests from all walks of life, like Malala Yousafzai to Maggie Gyllenhaal to Melody Hobson. If you don't know who those women are, and I didn't know who Melody Hobson was, it's a good idea to check out the show. So stay informed, join the conversation, and subscribe to The Economist Asks podcast today. That's The Economist Asks podcast from our friends over at The Economist. Subscribe and listen for free today wherever you get your podcasts. Our next partner has a product that i literally use every day not only do i personally use it every single day no day goes by without me consuming my athletic greens but i actually prescribe it to a lot of people oh you're feeling a little sniffles in the morning why don't you take two athletic greens (laughs) you're going on a road trip you should definitely take some athletic greens oh you've got a competitive event where you really need to make sure you have energy and focus Why don't you try some athletic greens with one delicious scoop of AG one, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus and aging all of the things tons of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb instead of just pee right out in that neon yellow that says it's not actually going into your body athletic greens is the one thing with the best things athletic greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing And Athletic Greens is a climate neutral certified company. In 2020, AG purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old growth rainforests. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition since we are still in the middle of cold and flu and perpetual COVID season. It is just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Those travel packs are clutch. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash growth. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/slash growth to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Tell me one of your earlier stories that helped you build that confidence so that you could take on a challenge as big as this one.
2: So a friend of mine and I were talking the other day, and we were talking about the whole uniqueness of my story versus others. And she's like, you know, there's a lot more to this whole thing than just the first combat arms piece. And I'm like, uh, do tell, because I'm very confused by this statement, but she, she had reminded me of some things that I'd forgotten. So I was a senior enlisted before I ever went to OCS. There's officers and there's enlisted and You go through the ranks, right? Whether it's, you know, lieutenant, captain, major for officers or private, specialist, sergeant, staff sergeant, and then sergeant first class. So, I mean, basically, I went seven ranks up on the enlisted side. So, I mean, I really had established my career on the enlisted side before I even decided to be an officer. And so... Looking back, I had done a lot of different things before I even decided to be an officer. You know, I was a platoon sergeant. I was an acting first sergeant. And her and I were sitting there talking one day and she's like, what are you going to do next? And this was when I was still enlisted. And I was like, I don't know, but I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I don't feel like I'm doing enough right now. Like, I want to change this or I want to change that. I'm too comfortable. And so that's when I was like, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll just go be an officer. Because in our minds, in the military, you know, officers can make all these changes or at least try to affect the change. And so I did. I I was like, "Okay, I'm going to do it. Looking back, I think it was just always wanting to push. I always just wanted to make things better, change things. I was always, I won't say the loudest voice in the room, Well, probably the loudest voice in the room, but I was always challenging something. Because if you want your voice to be heard, you have to speak up. I would read regulations, I would make sure I understood what was out there and how things worked. And I became just educated in, in what I needed to become educated in. So that way if I needed to change things or affect change then I knew what I was talking about. I never opened my mouth unless I knew what I I was talking about. And so after a while, people would be like, okay, do you have anything to add? And I think me being the person who was always going to either push harder, stand up for what I felt to be either right, wrong or indifferent and just push. Like I was always my own advocate. And I think... Anyone in leadership should be their own advocate. I think anyone in general should be their own advocate, but especially in a leadership role because no one's going to do it for you. I love
1: how you phrased it. You said, if you want your voice to be heard, you have to speak up. Tell me what that means to you. Like if we were to break it down for for somebody listening.
2: So I think a lot of times, just in general, women... And I, I really think it is women. I think they're afraid to speak up for what they believe. One, they think that they're going to get not stepped on, but sometimes stepped on. Two, I think that women who are, whether it's more you know powerful or assertive, I think that they tend to either get a bad rap or things like that for saying what they believe. So they tend to just kind of not cower, but they don't say what they want to say. They might follow it up in an email after the meeting, because I've had plenty of soldiers do that. And they're like, hey, I didn't want to say this in a meeting, but, and I'm like, why you should have brought it up It's a great point. But There are a lot of smart women out there and we want them to get those leadership roles. We want them to get into those positions that they need to be in but they aren't putting themselves out there. And so that is where I think that there is kind of a disconnect. I know of several very strong strong female leaders and they do. They I mean they will say what they mean and they will mean what they say and you know they've been great mentors to me and that's where we you know we do mentor other females and and we try to get them to, you know, be, again, be their own advocate, show up as leaders and, and have their voices be heard.
1: Okay, Marie, time for uh, the speed round of questions. What is something that you strongly believed in your twenties that you feel completely indifferent about, or even opposite
2: about now? So when I was in my twenties, I mean, I I was very headstrong. Still probably. I I mean, you, you sound
1: kind of headstrong right now. I don't want to.
2: Yeah, no, it's okay. You're not completely wrong. Um, I would constantly like you go in for interviews or, you know, you talk to people and they ask questions. They're like, what's your biggest fear? And I would always say like, my go-to answer was failure always. And looking back, I was like, That is the stupidest answer because I'm like, I, and I now, you know, the, the soldiers that I talk to, I'm like, you should never fear failure. That is where I have literally got every single like teaching point and lesson learned and everything. Why would I fear that? Like embrace it. I don't love it. Like nobody loves it but I certainly don't fear it. And so looking back when you're young, you just want to run headlong into whatever it is coming at you. And you don't want to fail. You think everything's a win. And if you lose, then everything's going to come crashing down. But that's that's not how how the world works. And so every time I did fail in my 20s, you would have thought the the world was coming to an end because I did. I I beat myself up to the point of just... Insanity. I mean, I, I took it awful, And if I had had the perspective that I have now and the maturity and the emotional intelligence and all those things that I have now versus then, I think that I would have probably gotten to a lot better places a lot quicker, but it just, it took me a long, I took the long way is what it was. <laughs> I took the long way to get there. What eventually changed your mind? just a lot of really hard losses. I'll put it that way, where finally I'm like, wait a minute. Should I be learning from that? It's like, should I be learning from this? Oh, yeah. Maybe I should be learning from this. Oh, that. And the fact that, you know, eventually I went back and got my master's in positive psychology and they're like, you should be learning from failure. And I was like, oh, that's a great tip. (laughs) (laughs) like, I don't know why I wasn't doing this before. What was it
1: that you learned in the positive psychology courses that, that made you
2: think differently about it? I think the biggest thing is one, having a, not a fixed mindset, but a growth mindset constantly growing and not just being fixed in the way you think about things. And then also just, you've got to balance balance is important and just affecting that sphere of, of what you can and cannot control.
1: What is the biggest oops of your career? A time when you messed up, you fell down, whatever it might be. And what did you learn from it?
2: Oh, wow. I think my oops moments are probably opportunities that I didn't take. Things that have come up that I'm like, man, I wish I would have done that. Because looking back, it would have given me a different perspective. What is something that you used to think
1: was a talent that you either had or you didn't have, but you've since realized is actually a skill that you can learn and develop?
2: Oh, that just made me think of a funny story.
1: Tell me, tell me the funny story.
2: So it's it's not a talent or a skill, but my, so I was in Afghanistan. We would do a change of shift and this is going to make me sound crazy. I would do the daily serial killer fun facts. Okay. And because <laughs> my friend, my best friend's like, you're obsessed with these serial killer books and all that stuff. And I'm like, I love true crime. (sighs) So every day we would start that way. And she's like, you're so bizarre. And I was like, Hey man, this is, this is how we start. It's not a talent. It is nothing near a talent, but I had to get it. Yeah, it was fun. That's how I started the meeting. I love fun fact of the day. Yeah. Well,
1: Marie, I think our rule should be, if you want your voice to be
2: heard, you have to speak up. Yeah. I mean, I just think that in the end that you got to take your own power back. Everybody holds their own power. Like, you have the power. You just have to take it. Everybody has that.
1: Marie, it was a delight. Thank you so much for taking the time.
2: Thank you for inviting me. I just had a blast.
1: So I love Marie's advice on what it takes to be heard. And I've often said to myself, because I am so anxious about posting online for social media, that you can't be a thought leader without posting your thoughts. You can't just be promoted and found by what you think in your head. So it really added a new layer of advice for me of like, you don't just need to make your voice heard. You need to speak up and to really dive into this advice and and get some better takeaways, I would love to welcome to the show on her premiere episode of The Growth League, one of our producers, Taylor Williamson. Welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here.
0: Taylor, tell me how you heard Marie's advice. Like, what did it mean for you? Yeah, I think it really resonated with me because oftentimes I have ideas, but I don't share them. And if I'm in meetings, I am prone to kind of sitting back because... I've been in environments where I've always been surrounded by such smart and well-spoken people. And so I kind of devalue my own voice and thoughts and ideas because I'm like, if I'm thinking it, these amazing, intelligent people around me <laughs> must also be thinking it, and they will probably say it, which I know is not always the case and not a good strategy to have. So would love to get any advice from you of when you hear that, what do you suggest?
1: I mean, I I have my own podcast, you know, and I give keynotes for a living and I need this advice. I think it applies to all of us. Like we have so much more to give than we're putting out into the world. And let's let others be the judge of whether our perspective is adding value. Like if we have something important to say. I'm working on this new book with a co-author and I had some strong feelings about a recent conversation. And normally I would just let it go, you know, but listening to this episode and hearing Marie in the back of my head, I was like, no, you need to speak up for what you believe. And I was like, I I just need to say this thing. Like I texted him at like nine o'clock at night and it made the relationship better. And so I'm, I'm curious for you, Taylor, like what is that thing that you need to hear in the back of your head to make you speak up during the meeting? What is the thing that you say to
0: yourself? I think it's just remembering the times when I have spoken up and it has been appreciated and validated. And that has happened in our meetings for this show. As we've done this show, I've gotten more comfortable sharing my ideas. And you have been like, Thank you for sharing that. So glad you said that. I couldn't agree more. That was such a good idea. And so remembering those moments is crucial for me. And I also think it can be difficult when you're new in a place to speak up. And something that Marie said was she speaks on only what she's educated on. She doesn't open her mouth unless she knows what she's talking about. And I think when you're new, it's a new field, new team. You feel like you maybe don't know what you're talking about. But I think speaking up in that scenario really means asking questions. Oh, that's a great point, Taylor.
1: See, look at look at this speaking up that you're doing. That's adding so much value. I love it. And I would love to hear how our listeners apply this rule in their own week as they do something this week to speak up and let their voice be heard, especially in this Women's History Month. Like, let's honor all of our firsts by speaking up this week and give us your best advice of what you say to yourself to convince yourself that your opinion should be heard. Thank you again to Influence and Co for sponsoring this show. If you're looking for resources to build a results-driven content marketing strategy, I highly recommend checking out Influence and Co's content marketing course. With promo code GROWTH, our listeners can get the course for 50% off. And I will tell you SEO investment has been probably the best investment that I've made in the last few years of anything. Uh, I've done for my own personal keynote speaking company. And so I just can't say enough uh, about just exploring the content marketing strategy. Just visit influenceandco.com growth to learn more. And that's it for this week's episode of the growth league. Please make sure that you're subscribed to get all of the future episodes and leave us a review on how you're liking the show and what potential guests we could invite. I am Diana Kander wishing you an amazing growth filled week. The Growth League is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Edie Allard, Adesua Agbanil, and Taylor Williamson. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan, and our editor is Emily Rudder.